0: Welcome to Locked On NBA Draft. I'm your host, Leif Tulin. On this show, we will be analyzing different NBA prospects every episode, presenting with various perspectives on every prospect coming from the Locked On NBA hosts and NBA draft experts. Today, you'll be hearing all you need to know about potential number one draft pick, polarizing big man out of Memphis, James Wiseman. For more on Wiseman's strengths and later on in the show, we'll get to his weaknesses, let's head to the host of Locked On Warriors podcast, Wes Goldberg, who is joined by Charles T. Hamilton. Finally now...
1: Getting to James Wiseman he might be the most polarizing player in this draft, maybe short of LaMelo Ball. But um, look, as I reported before, the Warriors were impressed with what they saw from Wiseman when they saw him in person in Miami a few weeks ago. But, uh, and they're going to consider him if he's there at number two, but it's not a sure thing. Uh, there's still some concerns about his game, but Charles, let's start with some of the things that they might like. When you watch James Wiseman, what stands out to you?
2: Well, first off, you nailed it. Polarizing is the best way to put it because I go back and forth with him uh, almost daily. But the the things that stand out is the fact that he's a traditional center in today's NBA game. He's already seven foot one. He's got a 7'6 wingspan. He's two forty as a nineteen year old and ha- has the frame to even add more weight, more muscle. But you know, the term traditional center, I think, kind of makes people think of a Zaza type in that you're big and lumbering and can't move. He, uh, James Wiseman is, you know, top, top athlete in the class. You know, if you put him up with Edwards or whoever else you want to throw in there, we're getting some, some, uh, info from the combine that this is a very athletic class. And James Wiseman is one of the, the top ones. Uh, he's, he's just a, a top prospect. I mean, that's really the best, best mm-hmm. way to describe him is he, there's a reason why he was looked at as the potential number one overall pick. And it's mostly because of his physical ability. Uh, The, you know, we only saw so many games of him in college, but he showed kind of exactly what you expected to see out of a guy with that ability. And so that's what really jumps off. There's obviously deficiencies that, you know, we will get to and what makes him polarizing and all that, but (laughs) there's, it's, it's, it's like a, a basketball player. A prospect was, was, built in a lab, and, and James Wiseman came out. Um, I mean, that's, that's the main, main drawing point of him. Yeah, you look just traditionally in the
1: NBA, seven-footers with his type of athleticism get drafted very high. Yeah. That's just, that just tends to be the case. And so when he was coming out of high school, there, you know, he looked the part of a future number one overall pick, and he was touted as such. And, but, and like you said, he played three games – at memphis he played just 69 total minutes now i went back and watched all 69 of those minutes that he played and for for a piece that i wrote last week for the mercury news and there are things that are so impressive with him i mean he runs the floor so well and he gets down in his stance defensively like a guard uh he looks like marcus smart almost when he when he can get down in his stance uh he obviously can jump out of the gym he he finishes above the rim. He, can, he catches – he's like, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. with a catch radius, right? Mm. Like Calvin Johnson with a catch radius where he's just grabbing everything with those hands and he's just and he's dunking everything that's, you know, within 15 feet of him it seems like. But uh, – and, and all those things are loud and impressive. But mm. there are other parts of his game that to me um, kind of make me hesitate a little bit more. But when you have – that size and that speed. What I wrote was that there is maybe nobody else in the league that have that has his combination of size and straight line speed, other than maybe Giannis and, and maybe Karl Anthony Towns. Yeah, and even those guys aren't listed at seven two. And James Wiseman's listed at seven two. He's got the seven eight wingspan. I mean, he is incredible. And everybody that I talked to with the Warriors says that that size and athleticism really stands out even more so in person. And that in-person meeting changed things for the Warriors. It really did. Now, I don't know if it changed things enough for them to make him number one on their board, but he's certainly in the conversation. And I think now's a good time to kind of have that that discussion about what Wiseman would look like with the Warriors. But, you know, I I think as far as his strengths are concerned, Charles, it's pretty straightforward. The guy can run really fast. The guy could jump really high, and he could dunk everything that you throw (laughs) at him. And, And defensively, There's at least going to be a presence there. If you play him like you did in a drop coverage, I think that, you know, he's just, he's going to provide interference for opposing ball handlers. He's, he's got um, a tremendous ability to rebound the ball, which is something that the Warriors needed help with. Uh, For all those reasons, I think he's got a pretty high floor, but I also, and obviously that goes along with the, with the high ceiling.
2: Yeah, definitely. And uh I mean, you <laughs> nailed it, brought it down to the most basic terms. Runs really fast, jumps really high, dunks everything, blocks shots. I mean, and that's the that's the floor for him. And that's something we'll get into uh, later, too, is there are other centers who might have similar floors. But the main thing with James Wiseman, that ceiling is so enticing and and so high to the point where it's, okay, let's say the offensive game doesn't really – Progress the way you would expect but the defensive Game does there's Rudy Gobert potential There's Carl Anthony Towns Potential that's the Ceiling that is is getting people you know, excited about him and why he's looked at as a top prospect and why he was, you know, a number one guy on a lot of boards. Uh, And you mentioned his size. That's the other thing with this draft. It's hard. And especially a top prospect who has the ability to turn down stuff at the combine and doesn't have to do the official measurables, but he is a legit seven plus footer with a massive wingspan. It's not like where Dwight Howard was listed at seven foot his whole career. And he's really, you know, six, nine. This guy is a full on traditional center, just huge. And the, the athletic ability on that size, on that uh, body, you don't see that in the NBA. I mean, I yeah, think. Yeah, and then as
1: far as the high upside goes, too, I mean, you combine that with something we haven't talked about the shooting potential. When mm-hmm. you watch him shoot the ball, and he took one three pointer in college and he missed it, but the touch looks good. And that's what everybody says, and that's really, I think, where the split occurs: is are are you buying that he can become a three point shooting threat at the NBA level, or are you not? I tend to go with not, but I've been, you know, I've been wrong about stuff before. The, the shooting yeah. touch looks really good. You ten, and, and I, everybody, and people who are buying into it say that they trust that, and that if, if given the opportunity, look, he doesn't need to be JJ Redick, but if he makes, you know one three pointer out of three or one out of every two or every other game or so, then that's going to be effective enough. Now I don't think he's going to be the shooter that Carl Anthony Towns is or Anthony Davis even, or, or somebody like that. But you know, he could be like at a Joel Embiid level of three point shooting probably. Mm-hmm. Um, now there are other concerns that come with the shot selection that we'll get to, but uh, the, the three point shot, are you buying it? Do, I mean, the touch looks good, but do you buy that that could hit at the NBA level?
2: I think hit in the same way you talked about, I I, obviously not going to be Carl Anthony Towns level. 35% I think would be like the ceiling for him, not Mm -hmm. on high volume, but good enough that people have to respect it. Uh, Miles Turner level, Joel Embiid level, like you mentioned. I mean, people, people close out on those guys. And so that's that's good enough. That, that's the biggest thing. And even with Joel Embiid, I'm kind of surprised they close out sometimes. But mm-hmm. for some reason that shot is respected enough that they do. So percentages might be a little overrated at times, as long as people respect it enough to defend him out there. That's and, when it what's looks important. Good, and I, and think, when it and looks I good, think people respect there. it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And uh you know the the free throw shooting wasn't great in those three games, but it was seventy percent, which is good enough for a big man, and also uh, kind of speaks to the form a little bit where you feel confident that it could come along to where he's at least allowed to shoot some threes right. and and find out whether he has it or not. But I do believe uh, I think you nailed it just in in that um, that way, that it'll be good enough that people will respect it. This is why he's one of the
1: top picks, or at least one of the top prospects in this draft. Like we said, the combination of size, athleticism and that potential to be able to stretch the floor from the center position. I mean, when you look at what you want from a modern day center, he at least has the contours of what that player needs to be.
0: Coming up next, we'll head back to Wes and Charles on Lockdown Warriors to hear more about Wiseman. But this time they'll explain why there's some hesitancy about picking him despite his massive size and impressive coordination. They'll be examining and explaining some weaknesses of his game, but first I wanted to promote... Locked on NBA Mock Draft. The NBA draft is days away, and Locked on NBA podcast is mock drafting every first-round pick. Listen to Locked on NBA podcast every day leading up to the draft to hear projections of each pick and expert analysis from Chad Ford, the Athletics' John Hollinger, and Sports Illustrator's Jeremy Wu. Check the feed to catch up on past shows and don't miss a pick. Subscribe to Locked on NBA today wherever you get your podcasts. You know what would be a great snack to have while listening to that amazing podcast? A built Bar. Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It really is. The people at Bilt Bar are awesome, and they sure produce a great protein bar. It's not like every other protein bar that has that chalky, proteiny taste. Bilt Bar legitimately tastes great. Every bar is covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew and come in awesome flavors with and without nuts, like the new Cherry Barcia Bar, as well as the Caramel Brownie flavor. I love protein bars and Built Bars are the best I've ever had. I personally love the mint brownie flavor, but every single flavor I've had is really incredible. I have a built bar after playing basketball or after a lift, and it's so good and fills me up and doesn't leave me with that proteiny aftertaste of other bars. Bilt Bar allows any health conscious guy, such as myself, to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a dish- delicious treat. New flavor Cherry Barcia, for example, has 17 grams of protein in the same amazing taste. Sign me up, and you can too. Visit builtbar.com and use promo card. Locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, locked on, and you'll get 20% off your next order and a free cooler with purchase. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. make sure to subscribe to Locked on NBA Draft if you haven't already and let your NBA Draft loving friends know too. They'll find great analysis on draft prospects from Locked on NBA hosts and NBA Draft experts each and every episode. Speaking of expert analysis, here are Wes Goldberg and Charles T. Robinson on Locked on Warriors to discuss James Wiseman's weaknesses that deter him from being a number one pick and maybe even number two as the Warriors have that pick.
1: Now we are getting to James Wiseman's weaknesses and maybe some of the reasons that the Warriors wouldn't take him at number two and it's really two things Charles that that stand out to me there's there's a couple of things here and there um but two major concerns I have with him he looks the part athletic athletically to be able to switch on defense he does have fluidity um he does get down in his stance and by and David Thorpe of True Hoop did a tremendous breakdown of just how important it is for guys like Wiseman to sit down in their stance and be able to move with opposing guards he there the potential is at least there but it's a lot of coulda woulda shoulda with him because he might be one of the worst pick and roll defenders i've ever seen (laughs) at the center position and the, the footwork is a major work in progress as are the rest of his fundamentals he's really slow on the uptick when it comes to just reading a basic one five pick and roll action that's happening in front of him he he's never really on the right side of the screen he, he he struggles to stay in front of ball handlers. You would think he'd be at least able, with his sort of athleticism, to close out on ball handlers, even when beat and get chased down blocks. But he struggles to even do that because he gets beat so poor, badly. Um, again, by basic pick and roll action. And the fact that he only played three games, I'm not knocking him for standing up against the hypocrisy of the NCAA mm-hmm. organization, but it is a detriment to his development. And I think that having not played in a competitive basketball game in more than a year is really going to hurt him as far as his learning curve at the NBA level, especially when it comes to defending the pick and roll at the NBA level because he played two non-ranked teams who don't matter. And then Oregon in the, in the third game in his last game in Memphis, the only ranked opponent he ever played. And he was just, he got into foul trouble really early in that game. Um, and, and Memphis ended up losing because of that. And uh, I have real, real concerns about whether or not James Wiseman is going to be able to guard just basic pick and roll action at the NBA level. You would imagine coaching can help with that. But like I said, it's going to be a steep learning curve for him.
2: Definitely. And I mean, I think we got a little excited in the first segment because he has traits and ability to get excited about. But a lot of it is based on potential. And you nailed it with the the pick and roll defense for a guy who is as athletic as he is you would expect much better uh just one on one defense and then just reading the pick and roll for a center you know a guy who's played center his whole career he's not a guy who played guard and had a had a growth spurt and all of a sudden he's trying to learn it it's uh alarming and you mentioned coaching and yes he can get better at that and potentially playing with Draymond maybe that helps somewhat but it is not something that you're bringing in and feeling confident about from day one he the shot selection while it was better in college where he kind of just stuck to his strengths and stuck to being bigger and faster and stronger than everyone and running the floor uh in high school the shot selection was really poor uh you know kind of (laughs) wanted to prove he had a jumper that he just didn't have Mm -hmm. Uh, he can chase too many blocks he's a great shot uh, great rim protector and all that but a lot of rim protectors chase blocks. And, you know, that's part of the problem with JaVale McGee, too, not to compare the two, but just that's a, a comparison that Warriors fans will understand is, you know, like when you chase blocks, you might get it, and that's great, but you might also just leave your other teammates out to dry and give up wide-open dunks or layups and things like that. He's really- potential
1: he's rarely in position which is yeah. the problem whether yeah. it's be- getting beat on the pick and roll from a recognition standpoint or like you said chasing blocks which is a huge concern of his i mean you can look at the block numbers the raw block numbers but if you've had a if you could find basically a percentage of blocks to blocks chased the percentage <laughs> is going to be low and what that, what that does is when you get up when, when you jump and you leave your feet as a center now you've got the little the, – the guard has the pump fake and the uh, the reverse option under the basket and all these things. And, and when you're out of position, like you said, you leave your teammates out to dry. All of a sudden, all of those people have to start rotating, and the kick out becomes an option. And it just blo- – like one, one wrongly chased block can blow up an entire defensive position and give up either a, an efficient basket at the rim – or a three-pointer that you don't want to give up. Yeah, And, and yeah. that's really the problem with it. It's not like chasing blocks or giving up mid-range shots. Who cares? When you mm-hmm. chase a block, you're giving up two of the most efficient shots in basketball. That's really the problem there. The other thing with him uh, that's a problem is that he has almost zero passing ability. Yep. At, and it's alarming because you could talk about the vertical... the the verticality and and the vertical spacing all you want but if you can't make plays out of the role or pass out of the post then all that stuff doesn't really matter all that much Mm -hmm. Uh, it doesn't matter how much gravity you have the middle of the floor if you can't make your teammates better for it and uh he he averaged like less than a one he played he had one assist in three games uh, the one assist he did have happened in the full court. And so in one respect, it's, it's impressive, right? He, he ran the floor, dribbled like a guard, and then, and then made a pass in semi-transition to the opposite end of the floor. But it was a really easy read, an easy pass, and it wasn't much of a challenge at all. you got to see him do it in the half court, especially if he's going to play for the Warriors, by the way. And yeah. so that, to me, is the concern. Uh, when you talk about chasing blocks and, and that – that lack of passing ability and track record of passing. I mean, he shows no vision whatsoever. I mean, he misses wide open cutters routinely. Wide open guys, like right in front of him, open for three-pointers routinely. Um, it's alarming. And you combine all these things, and this is a guy who likes to compare his game to guys like Kevin Garnett and Chris Bosh. And <laughs> he,
2: he looks to me more like Hassan Whiteside, yeah. which is not a great player. It's not it's not and also another thing that comes with chasing blocks and it's been a problem of his you know throughout the three games in college and high school and it gives me terrible flashbacks to Damian Jones who was a player i initially liked is that leads to fouls that he's a guy who fouls a lot and especially when you're picking in the top 2 that's not something you want you want a guy who can at least stay on the floor when you need him to he might not be closing games for you in that first year but you also don't want him to be you know picking up 3 fouls in 2 minutes and he's had a Uh, a history of doing that which not only one hurts the fact that he comes off the floor but it also you know can put your team the penalty and hurt your team overall so that's another thing that comes with his aggressiveness uh when it comes to chasing blocks and pump fakes you know to quote uh is it jim barnett who says it leapers leap and he (laughs) i mean he fits that that mold perfectly um i'm trying to think of any other Weaknesses.
1: I mean, as far as the weaknesses are concerned, I do think that they are fixable. Like, if they mm-hmm. were not
2: fixable, um, he wouldn't be considered one of these top guys, right? And if he didn't have these, he'd be the consensus number one overall pick. Sure. No, no question. Absolutely. And so I, I think when you talk to draft analysts and scouts
1: and front office folks, that's really the difference. Like, it's not it, – Everything we're talking about with James Wiseman is the same conversation front offices across the league are having about James Wiseman. These are his strengths. They are novel, they are rare, and they are worth our attention. But his weaknesses are glaring and could be problematic. Do we feel like we have the infrastructure to buff out these weaknesses and unlock the player that James Wiseman can be? If the Warriors think that they can then he should absolutely absolutely be in consideration for the number two pick if he's still there. Uh, That's what we're going to talk about next here on Locked on Warriors.
0: Welcome back to Lockdown NBA Draft. I'm still your host, Leif Tuline, and we're still analyzing the game of James Wiseman. Wiseman is an extremely polarizing prospect, despite possessing the traits to be a number one pick in any class, and this class is considered weak. The reason he's a tough sell at one and two is the fit with the Timberwolves alongside Towns, and then the Warriors are tough for any high pick to come in and play high, play a lot of minutes on because there would be little to no developmental time if he were able to contribute. Personally, I don't like the idea of him going to the Warriors, who intend on competing at the highest level immediately because it reminds me of the Darko Milicic situation in 2003, where he was sent to Detroit, where in his rookie year they won the title, but his progression was forever stunted. Regardless of fit, Wiseman is polarizing because he's so big, sporting a 7'6 a wingspan at 7'1 and 237 pounds. But he didn't get to play college basketball for more than three games, and that hurt his development as a prospect. So no one knows, is he ready to play NBA basketball when his last game film is essentially from high school over a year ago, where he often settled for jump shots when he could have dominated inside. Wiseman has elite size, runs well, shows good upside, rebounds well, and defends the rim. So that is why he's so highly regarded. But he has to improve his discipline on defense and shot selection on offense. And that's why playing for the Warriors worries me for his long-term progress. Though he could run and dunk and be a better version of JaVale uh, or Jordan Bell immediately. He reminds me a bit of Hassan Whiteside with a better jump shot. He rebounds aggressively. He's got a high motor and he's very big. But he has a better jump shot, but he needs to develop it. Those are my thoughts on Wiseman. And here's Chad Ford's big board where he places Wiseman at number two, which would be the Warriors pick and gives his thoughts on James Wiseman. James Wiseman, center out of Memphis, moves up one spot
3: over Anthony Edwards, which is interesting because I, I think right now the odds-on favorite to be the number one pick in the draft is Anthony Edwards. But Wiseman had one of these interesting starts this season, ranked really high. Obviously doesn't get a play uh, very much for Memphis. Only a couple of games that starts to worry scouts. They didn't see him against great competition. And and I think that there's been an effect a bit with the NBA finals with um, two big men, Anthony Davis and Bam Adebayo that have maybe nudged is the right word. Some teams into thinking that a hyper athletic big men with, lots of tools and versatility on both ends of the floor might be valuable again and again it's it's trendy right now wings seem to be the most valuable position right now for nba teams in the league hence lamelo ball at number 1 but there can also be where you start to underrate a particular position uh, there's some teams that are feeling now that maybe that's what's going on with Wiseman right now. He's going to look great uh, in workouts. Of course, teams are really limited in what they can do with those workouts, but I think that he's going to be a guy who maybe is going to be raw, is going to have to improve his toughness, is going to have to improve that motor a bit, but there's so much to like around the raw, intangible tools that are there that I, I think that... Don't be surprised to hear Wiseman's name drafted. I don't think he would go number one to Minnesota, but I think he is in the mix when you start thinking at number two uh, to the Golden State Warriors and then right uh, down the row. His draft range I have on there is one to eight. It's pretty wide for a guy who's two, but you know I would, I would say with LaMelo Ball, his draft range is one to five. And so you're talking about players that different teams are valuing them different based off of team needs because, and and I will get into this a little bit later in a different podcast when we talk about tiers, there isn't like a tier one, and I'm not really sure that there's a tier two prospect in this draft. And so when you get players in tiers, you can start to think about how they might fit needs.
0: You just heard Chad Ford's take on Wiseman, and he alluded to teams wanting to trade their top picks at the end. And now let's hear from the team with the top pick, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and what they're thinking in regard to Wiseman. Trades, who is interested, and whom are they interested in at the number one overall pick. Here's Locked on Wolves host Ben Beacon. All
4: right, the first report to come out this weekend about who the Timberwolves would take first overall came from Jonathan Wasserman at Bleacher Report. He reported that the Timberwolves are, this is, I believe, from Sunday, that the Timberwolves are going to select James Wiseman first overall, which is, of course, uh, I I mean, against everything I've assumed, everything that I've projected would happen, anything that I would do. um, Let me find the actual, uh, what he said. He says, uh, this is Jonathan Wasserman at Bleacher Report in his uh, 2020 NBA Draft Buzz piece from the weekend. He says, quote, multiple sources have told Bleacher Report the name they keep hearing now for the Timberwolves is James Wiseman. Quote, Some within the Golden State Warriors think Wiseman is going number one whether Minnesota keeps the pick or not. End quote. One source plugged into the conversation said, It's an intriguing development given the obvious questions about whether Wiseman and Towns can play together. Sources say the Charlotte Hornets want Wiseman badly, a plausible belief given their needs. Could Minnesota be trying to create the perception of a draft Wiseman as a ploy to pressure Charlotte into offering more on a trade to number one, et cetera, et cetera. So, this is... Uh, That's clearly what's happening here, right? This is either the Timberwolves trying to raise the value of the pick or perhaps it's some sort of long play by Golden State. Uh, For a long time, people have thought Golden State would take James Wiseman at number two if the Wolves didn't take him at one, but this would be one way if the Wolves could convince people they would actually take Wiseman. uh, That's one way to maybe convince Charlotte they have to trade with Minnesota in order to get him. And any team trading to two simply wouldn't be enough if they want James Wiseman. Now we talked last week about how Wiseman doesn't want anything to do with meeting with the Timberwolves. He doesn't want to do a virtual meeting or a workout or anything. And the Wolves wanted to meet with him. I talked about how I didn't think it was a big deal. I guess this is a scenario where it kind of matters because um, you know, could you call the Timberwolves bluff and assume they're not going to take him because he won't meet with you? I suppose so. But at the same time, I mean, You know, Ricky Rubio didn't work out for the Timberwolves. I don't believe uh, back in two thousand nine, and they still drafted him. And you know, Steph Curry had teams he wasn't going to work out for. And um, I mean, that happens fairly frequently, and it's not a reason to not take someone, but it doesn't help the Wolves' cause. And uh, it could be more difficult. You know, team more teams are going to be likely to call their bluff on taking Wiseman. Not to mention the fact that, and I've talked about this before, but the Wiseman and Towns fit together is not great. Wiseman. Could fit from a defensive perspective. However, he's not really quick enough laterally to guard most NBA fours, and so playing with Towns, you know, you'd probably still put Towns on fours. Um, you know, how how would that work defensively? I really don't know. Now, yes, the league is swinging back the other way after the the three point shooting, I guess, ongoing three point shooting craze and kind of the Steph Curry small ball revolution. But and and yes, Bam Adebayo is the second best player on the team that went to the finals, and and he is, you know a big man and Nikola Jokic is leading Denver deep into the playoffs the last couple of years and 50 plus win seasons and all that. But Wiseman and Towns together, you're not seeing very many teams playing seven footers together. And as I've said, you're not going to draft a guy first overall and put him behind your all-star center and take him off, you know, have him come off the bench for 16 minutes a game as the number one pick in the draft. That doesn't make any sense. So unless the Wolves are going to do it, and hopefully then trade him later on draft night or in the ensuing weeks pretty quickly, I just don't think it makes sense. I understand that Wiseman could be a star someday. Towns is already a star. Putting them on the floor together defensively is untenable at best. Neither player is great in the pick and roll. And well, while, while Wiseman's a better shot blocker than Cat, I just don't see how that works um, for the Wolves. And so so clearly this is some sort of a smokescreen. I would imagine by the Wolves, I just don't see it working then again, if Charlotte thinks Golden State's going to take Wiseman at two, then they're motivated to trade up anyway. So really, no matter how you slice it, if Charlotte really wants Wiseman, then they're going to have to trade up, whether it's to number one or to number two. And it seems like um, trading to one makes more sense for them, or at least attempting to trade to number one. And so I, I really think that that's, uh, that's what's going on here, is, is there's an attempt at the smokescreen um in terms of number two, there's this is from the same article. Jonathan Wasserman, uh, Golden State will take Wiseman if he's there at two, but it, but that they're split on Lamelo Ball, and there's some teams that or some some members within the organization that think that they should draft Ball at number two. Others that don't. Um, they really like uh, Denny Avdia, and there's a chance that they they could, I guess, reach for him at number two. I know I've seen some mock drafts where he actually does go to. I could see them thinking he's the best fit for their team. And especially if the Wolves trade it back to three, say Charlotte goes to one and drafts Wiseman, the Wolves trade back to three, and Fdia goes to Golden State at two. Then the Wolves are back to choosing between LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards, or they could take Obi Toppin and really shake things up. I could see that as a possibility um, with Evdia off the board and, and Wiseman off the board if the Wolves can trade back to three and pick up an asset from Charlotte. Um, so. That is certainly a possibility for how this could play out. That would be kind of, you know, the one out of 10 scenario. I don't think it's likely, but you certainly could see Minnesota trading back to three and still getting an opportunity to pick between Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball. Um, Those were kind of the high points from from the Wasserman article. Um, certainly some food for thought there, but again, I just don't see it likely that the wolves are going to trade that they're going to take James Wiseman first. I also don't think it's likely that many teams are going to buy on the smoke screen and, and, you know, and, and, bite and actually try and make a trade with the wolves because of this
0: rumor. Um, clearly there's a lot of gamesmanship at the top of the draft, trying to get a leg up on other teams, drafting at the top, trying to see who likes whom. Reports indicate the Hornets are dead set on trying to find a way to get Wiseman, but time will tell, and right now all we can do is project. And here is Chad Ford talking about where Wiseman will go in his mock draft 1.0. At number two, it's
3: the Golden State Warriors. I have them selecting James Wiseman, a freshman center out of Memphis. And we all know the Warriors are also trying hard to trade this pick. There's been tons of names floated on, on who they like. I'm not sure there's really anyone in this draft that could step in and contribute the way the Warriors need the help right now, though you could start to again make those arguments around someone like Halliburton, for example, who could play like a Sean Livingston-esque role for them, or maybe USC's Onyeka Okongwu, who might be more NBA-ready than a player like James Wiseman and have a higher floor and could certainly provide some defensive help For Golden State. But if they can't make the trade, and again, I I think they're going to try hard. They have a two to three year window to win a championship and rookies probably aren't going to be much help. I think they take the long term play for a player like Wiseman and start rebuilding for the future while still competing for a championship. I'm not sure Wiseman could play a big role for Golden State year one and, and maybe not even year two, but he does fit a need I think he could give them some blocks. I think he could be great on lobs, and, and he's, he's, he's a really good rebounder. But it's also about thinking about, okay, we're competing now, but this is, this is our future down the road. That's if they can't trade on the pick.
0: Whatever the order of Wiseman, Ball, and Edwards, and however many picks get traded out of those top picks that Chad Ford talks about, one of those teams could get a perennial all-star in Wiseman, and I can't wait to find out who. That's it for today on Locked On NBA Draft. We have lots more draft prospects to come in the remaining days leading up to the NBA Draft on November 18th, so you know where to get all your information on all all your favorite teams and prospects. Check out the episodes on other potential lottery picks, LaMelo Ball, Patrick Williams, and Devin Vassell, and any other episodes. And make sure to listen to the next episode on Wiseman's competition for the top spot, Georgia shooting guard Anthony Edwards. This has been Locked On NBA Draft. Thank you for listening. I'm Leif Toulin.